0: Welcome in to the BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com. It is episode 99, kind of a special edition. Weren't uh, fully expecting to do this one this weekend, but unfortunately we couldn't get uh, the things worked out with Jason Kelsey to get that podcast re-recorded. We will certainly have that for you here in the coming weeks, but we're going to do episode 100 from the eighth floor of the Lender Center with Mike Bone the athletic director at the University of Cincinnati, and his chief of staff, Brandon Sosna. But in order to do episode 100 on Monday, we had to come up with episode 99. So I am joined by my partner, Dave Simone. He is live in the pool, floating on a raft and enjoying a beverage on this lovely Saturday afternoon in uh, early July. And uh, a lot to get to. Um, The People don't realize it. Um, but things are coming up really fast. I'll be on the road doing some basketball recruiting coverage, uh, starting on Wednesday. That'll go through, uh, Saturday, Sunday into the week. Hopefully, uh, some good news there as we get out and check out some prospects. And, uh, then when I come back, we've got a football camp, a prospect camp on July 21st. That's on a Friday night. And then the 26th, David, a week earlier than normal we start football camp apparently the coaching association or whoever makes those rules decided that with two a days gone um that it would be okay to add a week to training camp so now instead of four weeks of camp you get five weeks of camp instead of starting at the beginning of august as they normally do camp will start on i believe the 26th of july and then go for five weeks uh, so oh interesting it starts a week early I'm sure the I'm sure the players and coaches love that yeah um, I just found out about this re- very recently and instead of starting generally it's right around that first day of August you know maybe the 29th or 30th of July or whatever but it's generally right around that first day of August this year they're starting on like uh, the 26th of July
1: Yeah, because they they kick off on the 31st. I wrote the uh, Austin P preview this morning. So, yeah, we are a month and a half away
0: from uh, the season starting. And and it's funny because, you know, you get through. I've got April and May where I'm on the road for basketball recruiting. And then June, a lot of football camps uh, rack up. And then you get a little bit of a window uh, on that 4th of July holiday. But I leave on Tuesday Uh, We'll have uh, basketball recruiting coverage starting Wednesday. I'm doing Wednesday and Thursday at the Adidas Finals, Friday at the Nike Finals, the Peach Jam, and then Saturday at the Under Armour Finals. Uh, So I'm going from Spartanburg, South Carolina, to Augusta, Georgia, to Atlanta next week to cover three different events. Why they decided to have all three events on the same weekend this year um, is uh, I, I can't get my brain around it, but they have. And uh, that's kind of the schedule that I'm stuck dealing with. But, boy, as soon as I get back from that, bam, uh, they've got a football camp on the 21st. Uh, that'll be their last big, it's a Friday Night Lights type deal, their last big prospect camp. Um, and then the following week, next thing you know, we're in camp ready to, to roll towards the season. So, uh, if you're new to Bearcat Journal, uh, a lot of things that go on. Um, I brought on a new uh, writer, Austin Gale who will be doing some features and some player profile writing for us during training camp. I'll have practice reports every day that training camp is open. Uh, That is one of the big uh, advantages to Bearcat Journal for our new members. We have a full report from every day of training camp that the media is allowed uh, at the session. Uh, So, you know, we will have that. We will have player video interviews. Uh, I'm sure you'll stop up when you can on the weekends, and we'll crank out a couple podcasts about what we're seeing. Um, So, yeah, we're we're two weeks away from being right in the thick of things, um, and and rolling quickly towards the regular season, um, and obviously the, the three basketball periods will be going on. Uh, I'll for sure be out this week. I'm not sure next or the following week because of the football camp that's right smack in the middle. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to navigate that. Uh, but you know, overall, we we've got a lot going on, Dave, and. Uh, let's. I mean, let's get into this Alex Thomas thing. Yeah. Um, obviously, incredibly unfortunate because I mean, when you when you break it down, he's probably one of the three most talented players on the defense. And yeah. doesn't. I would say the odds of him being a Bearcat going forward are uh, very, very much in jeopardy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree on both of those. are <clears throat> I mean, I think the people that follow us on Twitter and who and followed the board for a while know that I think very highly of him as a, you know, cornerback football player. I don't really have a whole lot to say about the incident in and of itself. It's not really something that I want to comment on. I mean, it's obviously unfortunate and whatever words you want to use, but just from a football standpoint, he played really well, uh, the back end of the season and was really good in spring practice too um he just has a a knack for finding the ball he takes chances which i like you know i think as our fans have seen the defense has been way too vanilla at the tail end of the coverville era and he tried to make plays and you know they had a lot of interceptions last year and he was a a big part of it, and I thought he was going to get even better this year. So, I mean, if you're losing in a in such a pass-heavy league, if you're losing arguably your best corner, then, you know, you're it's really going to hurt you. I'm not sure exactly who they're going to slide into that spot, if you know, around the team. Personally, I would keep Grant Coleman in the slot. I don't think he is a, an outside guy, so you're looking at probably Davin Pierce or Davin Pierce and, you know, someone else who isn't nearly
0: or someone else who isn't nearly as talented or experienced as Alex was. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you go down the roster, Pierce has been moved to safety, but you could very easily see him moving back. Um, You know, he, he had the experience at corner last year. I think they felt like with the top three of, Alex Thomas, Lyndon Stevens, and Grant Coleman, it would be difficult to get him on the field at corner, so they had moved him, had listed him at safety um, coming into to summer camp. But I, I think a move back would definitely be uh, likely, given the, the things that are going on. You also have uh, Christian Angulo, who,
1: you he know, it's, play it's, time, it's,
0: it's, no, it's time for him to start producing. If he's, you know, he's a talented kid. Um, you've got Marquis Smith, uh, who I liked a lot last year before he hurt his shoulder. Um, but he's, you know, he's, he hasn't played. He, he's un- completely unproven. And then you've got the freshmen Rashad Stewart and Noah Tamlin or Noah Hamlin and, and Marquise Taylor. Um, it's, it's not a very uh, rosy picture back there if you take Alex Thomas out of that mix. And, no, I mean, and the thing that... That's the unfortunate part. The
1: thing that it heightens, too, is, okay, you take him out of the mix and you just rattled off names of, of guys that we like, but Angulo he hasn't played a snap. Smith, Mark Smith, he hasn't played a snap. Devin, Devin Pierce saw limited action, so maybe he could move over there. The thing that it heightens is, Lyndon Stevens cannot get hurt. Right. Because then, then they are a mess at corner. Yeah. Just throwing a bunch of dudes to the fire. And, you know, that just doesn't usually work out very well. I mean, Cincinnati is a program that needs to, to develop. They need, you know, juniors and seniors at those types of positions, not
0: freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, you, you talk about Stevens. What that does is, I mean, essentially Thomas was going to be your number one corner. So now Stevens is your number one corner. Who steps into that number two, we don't know, and it just has an impact on down the line. So um, it, it's unfortunate they're in this situation. It's unfortunate that Alex Thomas put them in this situation. Um, at at best-case scenario, there, I mean, there's going to have to be – Minimum a lengthy suspension, and the likelihood of him not being around is, is something you have to consider that, that you know, he, he's done playing football here. so Yeah, uh, I, I, unless, you know, something happens
1: legally that, you know, clears him from some level of, of wrongdoing, I, I have a hard time seeing the first real incident since Luke has been here that this just is like, oh, he's suspended for the Austin P game or something, you know, right. something, or even a couple games. Like, I just find that hard to imagine. Yeah. Based on what seems to be known to this point. Now, obviously, that's why I really haven't commented on it. I don't really like to get into that kind of thing. It's not really any of my business. <laughs> so,
0: however it uh, gets figured out, it gets figured out. But it's just unfortunate for him and, you know, for the team. Yeah, and, I mean, that puts unnecessary pressure on the rest of the defense is, you know, to to step up. So we think Al Washington can be a miracle worker. We're going to find out because that defensive line is going to have to get to the quarterback to give the cornerbacks less time um, to have to cover out on an island. And a lot of that is going to depend on, you know, how Cortez Broughton heals from injury uh, from everything I've heard, he might not be full. you know, I wouldn't expect him to be full go at the beginning of camp, and there's no reason to be. Uh, no. You're talking about a, a, a two-year letter winner, a uh, junior, the guy that's basically going to be the leader of your defensive line. Um, you don't need to rush him back for five weeks of camp coming off a foot injury. Right. So I wouldn't freak out when the reports start coming in from camp and they don't include Cortez Broughton for a week or two or three, whatever the case may be. No, it's really,
1: I really wouldn't be concerned about him, you know, until if it's the week before, you know, the game, game week, right. and he didn't practice at all, okay, maybe. But I mean, he really does just need to
0: recover and, and be in shape. You're not, you're not expecting to see anything out of him at practice. No, and it's a little misleading on, this, on the roster on the, the website because they, they only have four defensive tackles listed. But Marquise Copeland a yeah. defensive tackle. Yeah, hundred defensive ends yeah. listed. <laughs> Marquise Copeland was a defensive tackle all of spring, and I would expect him to be back there, back there when, when camp breaks. Um, and you've got some other guys. You've got like a Curtis Brooks, or um, you've got a, a, a Lyndon Johnson Ma- that you can move inside. Marcus Brown. Yeah, Mark. Well, Marcus Brown is you know listed at defensive tackle, and I think this has been. Yeah a really good thing for, for Marcus Brown because he's had the chance. He stepped in when Broughton got hurt. Um, you've got Oglesby there as well. And, and Marcus Brown got a lot of reps in the spring uh, in the absence of Cortez, Bra- or Cortez Broughton. So, you know, that's helping him move along at 6332 332 pounds as a redshirt freshman. You know, that's a guy that if he can continue to develop and continue to shape up his body, he can be a guy down the road that, really benefits from seeing, you know, some playing time this year early in his career, but at a position hopefully where it's as a second unit guy that's coming in to spell Broughton and coming in to spell uh, Copeland in the middle.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I, I,
0: I'm not, you know, from what I saw,
1: Broughton's healthy, you know, they were good against the run last year, uh, and they have everybody back, and, you know, I think
0: they have a better. Pace is gone.
1: What? Pace is gone. Yeah, I mean, for for what you usually see, I mean, to only lose really one one contributor, I'm not too concerned about the the run defense right now. So my big concern is just the pass rush
0: and then how that affects the cornerback play. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have, it's time for guys like. Mark Wilson and Kamani Fitz and Kevin Muhan and will we see Landon Brazil, uh, Michael Pitts, a redshirt freshman? You know some of these, one or two of these guys, um, Caleb Ashworth and Brian Wright. These, these guys are going to have to step up and show they can get to the quarterback. It's going to be an aggressive system. You know Luke has told us that Marcus Freeman has told us that that they're going to be aggressive and looking to get to the quarterback. But you're going to have to find some of these guys at defensive end that show the ability to pass rush and, and get home. Right, and that's that's always the concern. Is until you see it, I'm not I'm not
1: inclined to believe it. And we, you know, and it's not necessarily you know anyone's fault, so to speak. But I mean, those guys haven't shown in game situations that they can consistently get to the quarterback. So let's see it now. You've got a bunch of juniors that have been in the system, even though the staff is new. They're de- they're, you know, they're developed college players. They're not shirt freshmen who are still going to put on 20, 30 more pounds. This right. is what they are. So you we need to see it now.
0: Yeah, and and how much of that is going to come in terms of pressure uh, from the linebacker spot? You know, I think that's going to be interesting as well as we kind of roll through the defense real quick. Um, you know, Jalen Miner looks like he's going to be <clears throat> the primary guy in the middle. Um, The way that that spring played out, Um, Tyquan Statham on one side, um, on the strong side, and then Perry Young on the weak side, Um, they they moved, or not moved, but Tyrell Gilbert is still listed as a safety, so we'll see if that uh, experiment that we saw in the spring continues with him playing that outside linebacker spot, um, or if he moves back to the safety position, but Then you've got a bunch of young guys. You've got Jarrell White and R.J. Potts, Kyle Bolden, Ty Sponseller, Joel Dublanco. Dublanco, I thought, really impressed me in the the spring as the backup to Jalen Miner in the middle. There was some thought that he might have to move to defensive end, but I thought what he showed at middle linebacker showed some promise and that he could give him some depth there. There, Again, depth is really kind of the concern here because I think you're really good with your, your first group. But from there, there's a lot of questions. Yeah, and
1: and that's to be, I guess, expected when you really dig into what has happened the last couple of years. I mean, I think there's, they're strong to, you know, quite strong up front, but then in the back end, you have your frontline guys that have like, but like you just don't know anything about, the, you know, any of the backups. Right. So it's just going to be a matter of can they stay healthy and. Can they get guys to develop to be, you know, at least competent contributors, you know, as the backups go and when you're playing teams running, you know, high 70, 80, sometimes 90 snaps a game?
0: Absolutely. And the, the, the last spot, safety, I think you're probably as, as comfortable there as you are at any position on the defense um, in terms of, you know. Carter Jacobs and, and Malik Clemens were taking the first two reps, or the first team reps, for the most part. Towards the end of the spring, will we see Gilbert move back there? Um, you've got Chris Murphy, you've got James Wiggins as a redshirt freshman, who I think is has an incredibly bright future, and would be nice to see him, you know, start to get some reps and start to get worked in. Um, you know, they're pretty. I think they're pretty comfortable at safety, but. Again, if you have an injury to Jacobs or Clemens, all of a sudden, you know, then you're again staring down a a situation where there's not a lot of depth behind, you know, your first three or four guys. Well, just just something I just thought of when you mentioned the safeties. I wonder if the idea
1: of, even though I'm not necessarily for it, but, you know, would they move Coleman back outside and then move Murphy
0: into the slot because he does have experience playing there. Yeah, I mean that—that's that's a possibility, and and I think that's it's something that will be one of the primary storylines from the first couple of days of camp. Is what right? Like seeing where who lines yeah. up where if Alex isn't isn't around. Yeah. Right, it's definitely something that that'll be heavily on our radar, and and one of the things that'll make regular appearances in the daily practice reports is is what's going on in the defensive backfield, who's lined up where, and. And you know what the the two deep looks like without an Alex Thomas potentially on the roster. So, I mean, that's 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 the the effect that it has. It, it impacts the entire defense, and and you know maybe you have to do some things that you weren't thinking about doing, and you, you have to get the brain trust together and and reconfigure what you're thinking is going to be the plan. So, um, offensively. Um, Quarterback, <laughs> quarterback, and offensive line. I mean, that's yeah. Qu- quarterback, I just, I just don't know. I mean, I've,
1: I've seen enough of Ross Trill
0: and Hayden Moore to kind of know what they are. And I, I, but I don't know that we can take anything that we saw last year as as what somebody. No, is. no, but I mean, just as a, I know what you're saying, but. Uh, Ultimately, I mean, you kind of have to toss last year out the window when you're when you're talking you do. about what a guy is. But, I mean,
1: I, I can't admit, I'm not sure that, I mean, maybe I'll be wrong. I would love to be wrong. But, you know, I just I can't, I'm not seeing, I don't think I'm going to see, like, this big jump all of a sudden.
0: I'm with you there. To
1: a, a wow factor type of player. I mean, both of them, and especially Hayden, throw an insane amount of interceptions per pass attempt. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if that is necessarily
0: fixed by a coaching change. And it was still a problem for a lot of the spring. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they went out and all of a sudden they were taking great care of the football in the spring. It was still a concern. It was still something we were talking about regularly. No, I think – if Mike Boone can get back on track and run
1: like he did in 2015 versus 2016, that will have a lot, of, a lot of help. Uh will help those guys, whoever the quarterback is, a tremendous amount. Just because they were in so many second and long, third and long situations because yeah. they couldn't do anything running the ball, then, yeah, I mean, it's a whole lot easier to send pressure or disguise a coverage when you're 90% sure the other team's going to pass. Yep. So, you know, it's a little bit on the offensive line, but it's also on Boone because, you, I mean, uh, I'm not huge in the analytics, but I know that there's some guys on SB Nation that do a great job with, with their numbers and everything. The offensive line itself wasn't terrible in the run game, it was, you know, mid 50s for the way that they tracked the offensive line, mid 50s nationally. There was a there was a lot of issue with the running backs and just not being able to make plays. They had, I mean, I read it this morning and it, it almost took me aback. I think they had five runs all season of twenty yards or more. And New Mexico averaged four runs of twenty yards or more a I game.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I mean, they work hand and they work hand in hand. The yes.
0: running it was awful. I don't think there's any
1: for the whole offense. Was- I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. I mean, you don't score an offensive point for like three games, you can pretty much put the blame on everybody. But if the quarterbacks are going to play better and not be turnover prone, I think a big part of that is not being in second, third, and that than lies on the running game.
0: Well, and and I'm a firm believer, and I've felt this way for a long time. I think of that redshirt freshman crop. Uh, players that are going to start, you know, seeing their, their name called and seeing action this season, I think Jared Dokes has star potential. Oh, he's – I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, just coming out of high school,
1: when I watched his film, I was floored that Indiana, Purdue, Minnesota, Northwestern, teams like that weren't all over him. Yeah. I mean – it was blatantly clear that he's an offensive weapon. Whether you thought he was a true 25 carry a game running back or kind of a hybrid guy, it, to me, it didn't matter. Like, And now he's up, you know, he's six foot, he's up over 200 pounds. That's plenty in the college game today when you're spreaded out, you got 560 B's on the field. That's plenty of, of power to, to be a 20 carry a game guy.
0: Absolutely. And he has. So, I mean, I feel
1: real good about him and him and Boone. It's just a matter of can they, can they, you know, can Boone ca- capture what he did a couple years ago? and Can the
0: offensive line uh, block line? Uh, one thing we didn't get to on the quarterbacks, and somebody asked on the board about Torrance Gibson. Uh, at this point, I'm going to assume this is going to be a, a sit out season for him. I know they are they are working to see if they can get him a waiver to play this year. I just don't see how that quite happens. Well I mean he didn't for those that didn't that don't understand
1: completely, when he was suspended at Ohio State, he was suspended from school, not the team. So he went a semester without taking any classes. So for him to be able to make basically, you know, a year up in the summer was was highly unlikely.
0: Yeah. And, and it, it apparently didn't happen. So, I mean, he's enrolled at UC. He's with the team. I saw him regularly at camps throughout June. He was out working with the quarterbacks and, and had a good attitude, seemed like he was in the right frame of mind, was enjoying his time at UC. I just don't know that they're going to find a way to get him on the field this year um, through the NCAA. Uh, if they do... The quarterback thing gets thrown completely in the air.
1: But I don't yeah, think but, that is I possible mean, even, at this
0: point. Even at this point,
1: it's, I mean, even if they can, you're taking an awfully big leap of faith in your first year as a head coach throwing a guy in there who hasn't done anything in two years
0: quarterback-wise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but he also might be the best athlete on the team. So, no, oh, I'm not. I'm not debating that. If you put them in there at wide receiver, different story. Line them up and go.
1: But quarterback wise, I'm not sure that that makes a whole lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Um, offensive line, you know, I think that's going to be an interesting group to watch. Uh, Corey Cunningham and, and Ryan Stout seem entrenched at the guard positions. Um, knee tackle. tackle position, sorry. Kneehouse, um, from everything I've seen, should be back from his injury. Um, broken bone doing that he had in his leg in training camp. Um, uh, it looks like he's on track to be, you know, back in line at, at center um, as camp goes on. Might not be right away again. Might be, you know, a situation where they work him in a little slowly, but uh, he, he projects back. The question is going to be what they do at guards. <laughs> Minor and, Keith Minor and uh, and, and Stir with Star got most of the first team looks when they were healthy, but you're adding Kyle Trout to the mix. I could easily see Trout, you know, pop into one of those guard spots uh, with the first team if he, you know, assimilates himself well. He has been here all summer. He's been working out with the team from everything I've heard. 6'6", 310 pounds, legit low body fat. He's in great shape. He's ready to go. Um, So he could kind of be a wild card there. I mean, when you look at the numbers, They've got a ton of numbers, and, you know, hopefully they can sort out that too deep and get a situation where, you know, they're, they're solid and they're ready to go. The only notable change that I've seen on this roster is Blair, uh, Doug Bates being moved from tight end to offensive line. At 6'4", 248, you would assume he's probably a year away uh, from, from making any impact there, but they're going to get him... Uh, into that spot and start working him I, I would guess as a, as a tackle um, but you know that's that's something we'll have to see when camp starts and see what's going on uh, the name that's not on here is grant Schmidt he transferred from Ohio State um, he couldn't crack the second team he couldn't crack the two deep in the spring I don't know if he decided to get on with his life's work or what the case may be but You know, it's pretty telling when a a guy that highly touted comes in to an offensive line that's looking for answers, and you've got a guy that can't move up into the 2D. All I say to that is I hope that says more
1: about the roster and less about him.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, you know, there was a question at Ohio State that, you know, he he wasn't a guy that was going to be able to see the field, which is why he transferred, so... Um, I didn't see a whole lot from him the year before, and I didn't see a lot from him this spring, and he certainly wasn't a guy that looked like he was chomping at the bit to move into that starting rotation, and you've got, you know, a walk-on and a, and a defensive tackle that were ahead of him, and that's just on the first team, not counting the second team, where there were right. walk-ons and guys that weren't, you know, four-star offensive linemen that were ahead of him, yeah. and, he, and he couldn't seem to crack the the the, the two deep, so... I mean, by name, it's, it's a bit frustrating that he's not there, but by performance, it didn't look like he was going to be a guy that they were going to count on anyway. No, I mean, you, you
1: build up expectations on a player like that based off of high school and what a recruiting service says about them, but it was, it was obviously he couldn't make it at Ohio State, and then he had plenty of opportunity you see, for whatever reason, it, it doesn't seem like it, it's gotten dense, and maybe, you know, he's just,
0: for whatever reason, not the player that some people thought he was. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how that offensive line comes together. I have heard some good things about Ja'Kari Robinson, uh, the freshman center, um, apparently freakishly strong, a guy that's adjusted really well to the weight room, uh, came in at 6'2", 290 pounds, Um, They were afraid he was a little short, but at center, 6'2", 290 is plenty, honestly. Yeah, I think he's fine there. The one I'm
1: hoping to see something from this year is Evan Mallory. I feel like he was, you know, in in his class, he was a pretty big get for them at the time, and, you know, he hasn't really played at all either. So it's, it's time to see, you know, a guy like him step up, especially with the With the uh, uncertainty at the guard position, it would be nice to see him be able to
0: make a move. And it would be nice to to see a little bit more from Ray Armagost. That was a guy the previous staff was very high on. Um, He jostled between the second and third team in the spring. It it would be nice to see him start to find his legs and make a push as well. At 6'7", 285, he's an ideal size for a tackle at this level of football. So it would be nice to see him get going as well. A guy like Kendall Calhoun maybe can provide some depth. Uh, Chris Ferguson maybe can provide some depth. Garrett Campbell can maybe provide some depth on, you know, two seniors and a junior um, that, that you're looking at, you know, developing and hopefully giving you something on the line. Uh, one, the position on offense I think is going to be most interesting is tight end. Yeah. You know, it's Mike Denbrock, and Mike Denbrock is a tight end whisperer. The guy has been great with tight ends in his career. Um, will we see a big leap from Tyler Cogswell as a senior? Uh, I think we've seen multiple times over last year and into this spring that Josiah Degura is a kid that can really make plays. He's you know, he's not an inline guy, six three, two thirty I love I love the way he fits in two thousand
1: seventeen college football. Yeah. I feel like he's a guy that they have to try to get mismatches with because there's no linebacker outside of a, of a guy built like Perry Young that is going to be able to stay with him, and there's no defensive back big enough to to you know out muscle him. So with him, you know, stepping into own, I thought he was good in the spring. I thought they featured him in the spring. I really am looking forward to seeing if they can get him going because that's the type of guy it can help the run game because you can get him the ball quick yeah. from the tight end spot and he can turn it up field because he's got quickness. He's got speed. And on first down, he's now gotten you to second and two or three instead of second and eight. Right.
0: And we'll be, there's been a lot of hype around Bruno Labelli, the young man from Canada. Uh, he's a red shirt freshman. I would like to see what he can do. You know, if they can get him is another guy like Degura. 6'4", 230 pounds, can make some plays in the passing game. Um, and the guy I've, I've been impressed with, what I've seen just physically from Wilson Huber, um, 6'5", he's a dude. 235 pounds. He's a lot bigger than I thought he was in, in terms of just his frame and the and the and where he carries his weight. He's a pretty big kid. Really good cornhole player, too, from what I've heard. <laughs> Apparently him and – uh. Not, no, he, he's, there's no, Josh Wiley. No, him and Wiley would team up and beat people like twenty-one to one. So I guess I guess Franklin Central, uh, Indianapolis, their cornhole game is on on, on point as well because uh, yeah. that or they've been in that courtyard at the the dorms playing every day. <laughs> no kidding. Can we can we talk about how there's fifteen wide receivers on the roster and only one of them the senior? I mean, there is a lot of youth at wide receiver. Um, you've got some experience. You've got Talia Lewis. You've got Devin Gray. You've got um, Thomas Dennis a lot. last year. A,
1: him and Rollins both played a lot at the end of the year and made plays. Like That's the thing that I'm most encouraged about is it's one thing to throw freshmen out there because your season's in the crapper and you're just going to play them to, get, to see what you got. But it's another thing for them to actually like show up and do stuff. Yeah. And both of them did. And so now, you know, we think you know, maybe not this year, but moving forward if they get the quarterback situation figured out and the offensive line stabilizes, I mean, next year and even two years down the line, you've got some guys that are going to have a lot of snaps under their belt that I'm super encouraged about. I mean, I, I love in the game from the height weight, speed standpoint, right. and I thought Geddes was, right from the start, watching him, right. he is—he was an exceptional route runner. And he's got great like, speed. I, I remember him at higher ground, because he was wearing 85, and he was super skinny, and he just reminded me of Chad Johnson, when he like first came with the bank, yeah. didn't exactly know what he was doing, but ran sharp routes, and was open, and caught the bumming, this was against like 13 dudes, but he was a true, true freshman. So, I mean, you just get another year in the system, a whole another summer. I think that, you know, I don't know, I think people realize it, but it's a big jump when you go from high school and you only have that little bit of summer and then you're into the season and then you're, then you're asked to play. Where now he's had all off-season, all winter conditioning, all new strength staff, all spring practice, and he's going to have all summer all fall practice. I mean, I'm expecting to see a pretty big jump from those guys, and even from some of the guys that that didn't play last year. Like, uh, Rashad Medeiros was awesome in the spring, and yeah, you know, he's a guy
0: in the slot that I, I have a lot of high hopes for because he's another one of those smaller guys. He runs great routes, he's got good feet, he's got good quickness, and he's got really good hands. So. He's a, a guy. he's kind of taken the run away from Tyron Summers, Summers who yeah. we all kind of expected
1: to, to man that slot role from the get-go because of his speed. And he was a you know, fairly highly recruited guy, and, and Medeiros has just
0: you know, totally taken that spot. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was very happy with what I saw from him uh, through the spring. So uh, that's a guy I definitely have high hopes for. Uh, Malik Mudge has made some plays on the outside. He's a big, long, striding, tall, lanky athlete. Um, I could see him being a guy they look to as a deep threat from time to time. Um, J.J. JJ Pinckney finally got moved to the position. I think his
1: game is, is suited best for him. And you could tell from the beginning of spring practice, what you and I talked about, to the spring game, he made a bunch of strides. Yeah just in that short amount of time, like just learning the intricacies
0: of playing the position. Braxton Neal's back on the roster. It would be interesting to see how that plays out, because I thought he made some progress last year before he disappeared. You know, I thought if given the opportunity, he was a guy that might be able to help you make some plays. More as a possession outside guy. Um, you know, he's not a he's not a big-time speed guy. Yeah, he doesn't have the speed that you look for for an outside guy. But, I mean,
1: he's big. I mean, there's, there's, area, there's room for him to make some plays. Um, I think for the people that are super, super locked in, I think uh, Shumby Johnson is going to Valdosta State now. I think I saw something on Twitter about that. So, he's decided to use his last year of eligibility somewhere else. And then I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is
0: Avery Johnson is not with the team anymore either. Correct. I, I believe he is moving on. Um, another kid, much like, like Grant Schmidt, he just, and, and he got more chances. They, they went to him with the first team when they started the spring and the, the, the inconsistency is just something that you can't, you know, you can't, you can't be
1: relied upon to catch the ball on a consistent basis as a wide receiver. It doesn't matter how highly you were ranked or where you started your career. Right.
0: Um, so that's where the wide receiver core is. I think that covers most of the offense and defense. Um, do we have, do we have any, uh, good questions from our, our loyal well, fans we need to get to now? But well, I'll get your thoughts on this. Um, Matt D., one of our, our new members, been with us seven months, joined us at the beginning of the fickle era. Welcome, Matt. Uh, love to hear your thoughts on how to improve special teams. The cover, coverage units have been below par, I feel like we've been missing a dynamic kick return, punt returner for a while. Anybody on the roster has the potential ability to give us a boost there? Uh, I'm not going to be flippant here, but actually practice it. It would be one way that I think you can improve on special teams. Do you agree? Uh, I agree, and there was a ton more time spent on special teams in the spring. So there's your first question, Matt. I'm sorry. I didn't give you a, a real
1: in-depth college football analysis there, but I was at enough practices
0: over the last four years to realize that it wasn't exactly a priority. You mean doing it for uh, 10 minutes at the beginning of practice and then never really yeah. touching on it again was no. maybe not ideal? No. No, It's I mean, it's not if you actually want to be good at something.
1: <laughs> it's like being a, being a golfer and practicing putting for like 10 minutes a week and then being upset at why you're not a good putter. Um, as far as return people, uh, I like Jared Dokes in that role. I haven't seen uh, him back
0: there in that role, though.
1: Fun so, just. This is just me yeah. saying this personally. Maybe they know some... Obviously, they know stuff I don't know. But he's someone that comes to mind. I think if, if Medeiros is going to take that slot role, I think Tyron Summers is someone you could try back there. Uh, who, who are the main people... That you saw in that in those roles in, in the spring. Um, a lot of
0: Khalil Lewis, a lot of Devin Gray, um, Alex Thomas was back there. Some obviously that's up in question. Um, I'm trying to think.
1: I'm not, and, and maybe just, and I know that a lot of teams in college, especially like Alabama, they play a ton of starters on special teams. But from a returner standpoint, I'm not a fan of putting, like, your front-line running back or your front-line wide receivers back there. I'm not either, uh, unless it's Marty Gilliard. Well, yeah, okay, that's a different story. Yeah, he was, that's
0: what I'm know, saying. first-team
1: All-American returner. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, we, don't, we don't have any of those
0: right now. If you've got a guy that you can't deny, you put him back there. Like, taking, taking Marty Gilliard I mean, out of that, that return game – would have cost them
1: three or four
0: games. <laughs> because with, with the way that
1: the game is now, we're seeing less and less kickoff returns. Yep. We're seeing less and less punt returns. You know, the fair catch in punting, it's, it's all about, oh, uh, we don't care if the guy kicks it 60 yards. If he kicks it 45 and it's really high and they can't return it, that's fine. Right. So we're seeing less and less returns. So why put a guy back there that you need on offense or defense when he's not really going to impact the game. He's not going to return kickoffs from five yards deep in the end zone, and he's not going to have a lot of opportunity to return punts. So I don't understand the point in putting the guy back there that all it takes is someone missing their block and a dude rolling up on his leg or something, and he's out for the year. And, you know, the benefit doesn't equal the risk in my opinion. So that's why I look at guys, you know, backups or young guys or smaller shifty guys that, you're not saying if they get hurt, it's no big deal, but, like, if you get anything out of them, it's a, it's a bonus. And if, if it's a, a typical special teams play, then, okay, whatever. They did their job. They fair-caused it.
0: They went out of bounds or whatever. They let it go, whatever the case may be. Right. Um, it'll be nice to have Andrew Gantz back. All, all indications are that, that Andrew will be fine. They're obviously... Yeah, he's been kicking some – I've seen some stuff on Twitter. He's fine. He's kicking some balls. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they took that slowly. I'll be
1: interested to see – how the new, the new punter goes, though.
0: Yeah. Because you don't really
1: see a whole lot of live punting or anything in the spring, and I don't even think she he was here, he? Was he wasn't
0: here. He, he, visited, he
1: took an so official really visit in the spring. But we really haven't seen anything. The dude is huge. I know that much. Yeah, he's a big dude, man. Like, do you see having huge punters continues if you go all the way back from, you know, Brandon, Brandon O'Donnell or whatever his name was the transfer to Miami and then Tracy was a big kid? This guy's huge. I mean,
0: they've got these guys are big dudes. Yeah. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how much is rugby style, how much is traditional. The word is he. You know, one of the things that they really liked about him was that he's pretty good at every different style. Um, You know, and he's spent you know the past year working on becoming an American punter uh, from his. It was, he was he was an Australian rules football guy, not a rugby guy, right? I I don't I don't know enough to comment one way or the other. I'm he was an sure Australian rules football guy. A little bit different than rugby. That's all you know. A little bit different game. Um, they most like him a lot though because Sam was not bad last no. year.
1: So so in order to I mean I don't want to use the term run out, but I mean it's kind of exactly how it played out. I don't think he had any intentions of, of not kicking for UC this year. Right. So they must like what they've seen. And I know Ohio State's been in that game for, I think, at least two punter cycles. So And that was, that you know, was the connection probably, that got this kid here. Right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's, there's, a, there's an ongoing connection with that group of, of kickers down in
0: Australia. So, and, yeah, they must like him a lot. Um, in terms of return guys, I, I would say you're probably one year away from seeing a guy that has that electric natural return ability. Because I think Arquan Bush, the cornerback the from Cleveland that recently committed, yeah. is a kid that could be incredibly dynamic in the return game. And it's uh, from the people I've talked to, there's a very po- real possibility he sees time early just in that facet of the game. I could see, uh, I don't know exactly how to
1: pronounce his name, but Yanez or Yanez yeah. Rogers being the guy to look at in that spot. Too. He's a little bigger he's than a normal
0: return guy, though? Like, oh, yeah.
1: He's like 6'2", 180 right yeah. now is what they listed, him at. But, I mean, he's got that type of, of start stop, you know, that I could see them looking at. Who knows if that, that you know, ever materializes. Right. But,
0: but I, I, from, from everybody I've talked to around the program, Arquan Bush is a guy that they look like, look at that can be not only a high, high level cornerback, but a, a game changer on special teams. So I know they were very excited to get him into the fold, and special teams is one of those reasons why. Um, you know, the interesting part on special teams, with as many redshirt freshmen as there are, you've got plenty of guys to put on those units. Oh, yeah. They're not –
1: the, I mean, I don't know why, but it seems to be the case. This, I mean – Seems like every year we say this, but this year's roster is incredibly young. I think that's just college football anymore. It seems like it, but you know, it seems like at some point it can't always be that way. You know, like I know Michigan doing doing Michigan's preview. They're incredibly young because they just lost pretty much every good player they had last year. Right. I mean, it's it's insane. They lost all five of their defensive backs. They lost their leading returning receiver, only one of them had more than five catches. Like, they are insanely young and inexperienced. But, like, this roster is is the same way. I think I counted 17 seniors today, and obviously not all of them are, you know, your
0: main contributors. So,
1: this team is still built solely, like,
0: mainly on juniors and sophomores. Well, there's there's almost 50 freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Oh, wow. So, that's... Almost half the well, roster. Then they better get ready quick. They're in they're in the mid forties, I believe, on freshmen and redshirt freshmen that are on scholarship. So, because David doesn't want any more four and eight seasons. No, Chad doesn't want that either. It's uh, it's miserable doing this job and watching them go four and eight. Kind of fun, with hearing people get told to go to hell and get a job. But yeah. <laughs> so what what other questions we got? Um, Torrance Gibson, we touched on special teams. <clears throat> I told him we, we probably wouldn't have a lot of time to ask questions in the, the bone interview on Monday. So everybody left right. questions for the bone interview. Because um, of course they right, did. Could you talk about Ross Trail, why he hasn't been able to put it together? I've heard a lot about arm strength. Is it really that simple? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it's that simple. Uh, I
1: just think it's you know, he, fl- he definitely flashes. I mean, I remember last year in the bubble, Yeah. you and I watched watching him practice, and he seemed to me to be clearly the better player. But for whatever reason, it's just not clicking. And I don't think it has to do with him having a weaker than whatever you want to consider arm. Just You know, I think enough- I think he's throwing 70 passes, 6 interceptions, that's a terrible percentage. Right. And I mean that's the that's the thing with Sam and Hayden that we touched on. Don't throw, they throw they the they throw another one, real real quick. Yeah. Um. Um. So you say you have a hard time trusting a guy like that. I mean, I, you've seen stuff out of Hayden that says, okay, that guy can be my starting quarterback. I just need to work on this. I don't, th- and, and I think it was a little unfair to to Ross, honestly, last year when Hayden got hurt should not have been put in they should have gone to guard. um so I think that was that whole situation was a little unfair to him so what we've seen from him is maybe a little biased but that's what we've seen so that's all we have to go on
0: yeah uh, I, I agree with you completely yes it was his redshirt freshman year yes the offense was terrible So maybe there's a different level for him, but also he was the better player throughout the spring and then it got to spring game and he made a bunch of mistakes. So, you know, you, you've got to make plays when the lights go on. And right now we're still waiting for consistency in that area, uh, from Ross trail, uh, 14 commits in the barn. Uh, we'll do a little bit of touch on recruiting here as we're winding down. Um, how will timing and strategy unfold for the linebackers and defensive linemen commits still needed? Are they committed committed to waiting until National Signing Day for all the top targets? Will they accept a lesser commitment or that they just can't wait? I mean, that's – I was talking to someone in the coaching business about this topic recently, and the joke at the end was, that's why you get paid the big bucks. If you, Right. At some point in time, you have to make a decision on – you know, how long are you going to wait on a kid like, let's say, Madison Norris, who you feel like has incredible upside and could be a big-time player on your defense down the road, but can you afford to lose a kid, you know, that, that is ready to commit? You tell them that you can't take their commitment, and you wait on Madison Norris, and he commits, and it's not you. You know, that's – I don't I don't have a – a specific well-crafted answer for that because each situation is case by case. And it's something that the coach Bickle and, and the lead recruiter for those kids and those positions has to say, this is, you know, this is who we're willing to wait for. And this is bird in the hand. We've got two kids that are ready to go. Let's take them. It's a, uh, it's a very fine line. And it's, it's the toughest part of the business probably in recruiting for a coach.
1: Well, and I think, it's crystallizing with that defensive line group right now because just in the, in the side conversations that I've been privy to, I think if they wanted to, they could take about three defensive line commits right now. I think there are guys crawling up the walls to play for Al Washington. And, and that's the thing is, you know, I think we all feel pretty good about Aeneas Hawkins at D tackle. I think the DN position is a little more interesting because yes, they they want Madison North. He's for those that don't know, he's about, I don't know, six three, six four, two hundred pounds. Pretty raw football player. He's also one of the best hurdlers in the state of Indiana. So I mean, if you're if you're gonna wait on a guy like that, that is the that is college football in the NFL right now. I mean there's those tweener dudes, you're gonna wait on him. Um, Branson Dean, I think, would commit right now if they if they told him that he could. Um, you have other defensive yeah, linemen, I think, or maybe maybe yeah, a little bit maybe down the line. But if they said, yeah, we'll, we'll take your commitment, then they would commit right now. So, and I, I think it's a, it, it puts you in a hard spot, like you said, because obviously the coaches are gonna think that they're gonna have a good year and they're going to continue to build on the momentum that they're having. So who becomes an option come January that wasn't an option right now? And you're going to be like, oh, man, I really wish I had a spot for that guy. He wants to come now, but we don't. So, you know, I think I can see them maybe adding five more guys, but that's the hard part is I can think of four right off the top of my head that I think are going to make decisions this summer that, okay, so that would put them at, like, 18, 19, and then, you know, I think they want to roll spots to the fall because they had a lot of success doing that last year, when they came in, so, I mean, it's a, it's a good problem to have, but at the same time, you don't want to get burned, you don't want to not take a guy you really like, because you may be like another guy just a little bit more, and then you don't get either of them. Yep.
0: Um...
1: My opinion on that is, is, take the guy you can get, and it's the if really good, good guy enough. that you're waiting on. Yeah. If the really good guy that you're waiting on says,
0: I want to come, then you figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the most reasonable way to approach it, but every situation is different, and every decision has to be made individually, and that's the tough part about, you know, when you, when you lump in five, six, seven, eight spots like that. You know, It's tough to say exactly who fits where and, and who, how they project certain people and how much higher on the board is one kid than the kid that's ready to commit. I think that all plays into it. A um, couple, right. couple more Alex Thomas questions. Um, only Like we talked about, only one player camp left. That's the 21st. Uh, it's a Friday night. I'm expecting it to be a big one. I'm expecting there to be... Quite a few kids there that are trying out for an offer. Uh, that, that's I, I, Sean Stewart, is the one I'll be interested in. Yeah. Um, conference realignment, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's
0: nothing to talk about. Conference we've,
1: realignment. We've had a pretty pretty hard and firm stance on that one for a long time.
0: I the guy has got, he's been here 38 months, he's got like 3,000 posts. He thinks I'm going to talk. Well, is that is that a question for us is that a question for, for both? He didn't specify. He just
1: said conference. I feel like that's I feel like that's a question. Like, okay. no, well, we're not going to ask him about that either. So, I um, mean, yeah. I might,
0: <laughs> I might just see. What we might says. ask him about our conference currently. Huh. But I mean, what the hell is he going to say about conference realignment? I don't know. I'll just throw it out there and see what I can get out of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man, I appreciate it. That was uh, that was Dave Simone, live from a raft in the middle of a pool.
1: That's right.
0: How's, how's the are – you, are you catching some sun? Are you a sunscreen guy? I am.
1: I'm, lo- I'm looking good.
0: A couple beers in. I need another one.
1: Yeah, I and, heard uh, you were uh, yeah, one around the middle.
0: Life, life is good right now. It sounds like life is wonderful. Yeah. Oh, you enjoy that? Uh, Dave, there's a there's a small chance Dave might be with me on Monday, but I don't know if he can get out of work. No, morning. It, nope. it's not happening. So, I'll, I'll hold down the fort. He said he's going to send me a list of things. that. I'll, I'll, send,
1: him, I'll send him all the good questions that I, that I would ask. And I think we need to figure out, if we need to do a GoFundMe. While we're talking about this for our listeners to hear, we need a GoFundMe to send Chad and I to conference, Football Media Day in Newport, Rhode Island, because Newport, Rhode Island is beautiful for anyone who's never been there. I lived there for like three months working a golf tournament, and
0: our loyal fans definitely want me asking Mike Oresko questions. Well, I don't think we're going to be able to do that this year, considering it's um, in a week. Oh, it's, it's that soon? Yeah. It's, okay. Uh, 2018. It's the 17th. Football
1: Media Day.
0: It's in it's in two thousand days.
1: So two thousand eighteen Media Day. Everyone get that on your calendar. Five dollars at a time we'll get it done. And I'm gonna ask Mike Oresco all the questions that you guys have seen me make fun of the conference on
0: Twitter about. (laughs) You set it up, I'll promote it. That's right. All right. Well enjoy your day at the pool, David. I will uh, I will talk to you later this week. I'm sure we will. All right. Have a good one, brother. He's, All right. Thank you. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. It's the BCJ Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Episode 99, 100's the big one on Monday. We'll see you next time on BearcatJournal.com.